What's up, everyone? We're back. I'm Dr. Shaw. I'm Dr. Maxfield. And welcome back to Dr. Lee Unhinged. In a new episode, uh, we talk about all things we find on the internet and in real life. And today's first topic is this new app called Threads that's taken over the internet. Threads. So I, um, I am resistant to change. We've talked about this before. I actually have a very hard time adjusting. I'm like set in my ways. I'm getting these routines with my other apps. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get on Threads. Uh, I actually really wanted to get on Lemonade. We'll talk about that a little bit too. But I am not on Threads yet. And I have heard that that is a big mistake. So tell me why. Why? What is Threads? Why should I be on it? Win me over. Because this is like a huge shift in energy and inertia that I'm not sure I've got the capability to do. Right. We both have very limited energy. So we have to decide what we put that energy towards. I would say if something is taking off, you know, it would be it would be a mistake to neglect something um, as it's taking off and it's new. I think case in point would be a lot of the people that were on Instagram historically or YouTube historically that ignored TikTok. And then TikTok obviously became the, the place where a lot of people were on. Why is this important as a dermatologist? Well, People, we are there to debunk or give good information where people are receiving this information. And so if you're on Instagram only, but not on TikTok, then the people on TikTok don't hear your message. If you're on TikTok, but not threads, then the people on threads don't receive your message. And you say, well, why does it matter? Well, I think that if you're already making the content and you already have this point of view and you've already done the research and you're already in with the trends, why not translate that into a new platform for a new audience to consume, enjoy, and benefit from? So, what's but what is uh, so what is threats like? Why is it unique, separate, and distinct? So, there's nothing unique, separate, or distinct about pretty much anything that has come out from Meta in general. <laughs> <Okay>. So, Facebook <laughs> wasn't a, a distinct, unique idea. Um, Instagram, obviously, a, you know, bought by Meta, but was obviously not a Meta created thing. Um, then WhatsApp again acquired. Um, so, you know, threads, what is Threads? So threads is a Twitter like app. So it's, it's basically more for basically status updates, news updates, where you just put a little bit of text. You can also put mm -hmm. photos and you can also put videos attached with this text. So it's, so it's similar to Twitter in that you can do all these things. You can also put links, but is primarily a, a sort of a witty, messaging app where you give status updates on your life and things that are going on around you. So it's, it's a identical, it's a Twitter clone basically. Uh huh. And, um, that there's two, so I have like at least two to three pitfalls here with why threads is not for me. One, let me start out with a meta thing. I think meta is the most confusing user unfriendly layout platform. I have ever seen the back end for anyone who's ever tried to work with it behind the scenes is impossible to navigate for both per like influencers brands whatever it's terrible it's horrible and they have no customer service just like anyone else so that's like a huge f and like it's a huge reservation just like if you download like a mobile game or a video game and it's like the worst experience you've ever had you're probably not gonna buy something from that maker again and that's where i'm at kind of with anything meta does i'm just like the back end is so awful I'm just like, okay, this is like a train wreck waiting to happen. I'd rather do anything else, anything other than this. But the second mm -hmm. arm of this is what also you said. This is a primarily a short snippet text format for life updates. That is where I struggle the absolute most. 
I keep 99.9% of my thoughts inside my head. I have to be very deliberate to be like, oh, let's take a picture while I'm eating dinner. Oh, I I, I like tried on these new Viore. What are the brand Viore shorts? Dr. Viore. Hirsch. Yeah, so I, someone. Oh, you're, um, you're getting fancy now. I think I think the kids are using like Alo now or Alo. I think that's the brand now. I don't know how to mm. say it. Alo. That's the new the new Lulu. So so Viore mm-hmm. uh, is like a Lululemon. It's like an athletic type brand, similar to Lululemon. And then there's a new one called Alo or Alo. Those pants that, are pretty tight. Which ones? <laughs> the Viore pants. Yeah, the ones they that are. Dr. Casal likes. Yep. Are, pretty revealing like you can't wear those in public for sure you cannot i have that i can't wear most of my pairs in public my wife was like she's like this is shocking you cannot wear these publicly uh yeah there are i have yori pants that are just pajama pants pretty much at this point (laughs) so i don't know where he's wearing these but he's certainly not wearing those in public because that would not be acceptable so Okay, um, <laughs> go on, go on, proceed. You okay, can't so, do short form text. Right. Yeah, short form text life updates is not my thing. Um, it's mm-hmm. just as uncomfortable as like the Viore pants. So I, I just, I really struggle with that. That's a hard adjustment for me. So I already know that that's a platform where I'm going to struggle with. I just don't, I really just honestly don't do that type of thought process. Um, I guess the third thing is, is just like, where does this fit in? Because of Lemonade, because of Lemonade. So a lot of the hype mm-hmm. around this threads it's like and you i know we'll talk about this a little bit too the fastest growing app ever now i remember seeing something very similar with lemonade oh this is the most downloaded app this is the pinterest killer you've got to get on it and i actually created an account it's kind of fun it's kind of just those image things i still post on there right now but it definitely hit an early plateau and i understand exactly what dr shaw is saying like yes if you get into these things early because you were in on tiktok way before me because you have a lot better foresight and perhaps more gusto. Um, but I saw Lemonade like really plateau. I don't know if that's going anywhere at this point. And I'm very much skeptical of threads now too. Although again, my newsfeed is telling me otherwise. Okay. So let me address a few of those points. The first point is you, you certainly don't need to be on threads. And do I think I'm going to be a very active threads user? Probably not. Because again, I don't, I don't like to communicate in short form text. But I will say that if you're using Lemonade and with Lemonade, you're posting photos and with that photo, there's some type of text description, which I believe that's how you're doing it. I'm not sure. But if you are, then you can post that stuff also on, if you're already doing the work, Mm -hmm. you can post that stuff on threads. People will benefit from it, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, as far as a lift on your end, I think it's a small lift, but can be done. The second, the second point about how Meta has terrible backend, this is 100% true, impossible to use. And where that impossibility exists is not within Instagram itself. It's when you try to connect Instagram to Facebook or the Instagram mm-hmm. business manager, or you try to interface. So they just have horrible communication between their online platform and the app itself. Now, if you're using Instagram to just post videos post pictures, respond to comments, respond to DMs, it functions perfectly fine. It's when you try to do anything within the actual backend where you run into it and it has horrible integration. So I completely agree with that. It's a total mess. I've never figured it out. I refuse to figure it out. If anyone asks me to figure it out, I always say no. So I agree with you on that. The beauty of threads to counter this was that this seamless integration with Instagram actually was probably the best thing that Meta has ever done successfully in my mind. This was so seamless that you could download threads 
it linked it to your Instagram and it immediately pulled everything from your Instagram, including your bio. It transferred it over. And it gave you the option to follow everybody that you're already following on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And this is why I say it's a mistake that you didn't get on it right away or, or you should, it's not a mistake necessarily, but you should try to get on it right away if you plan to ever use the app. And the reason why I say this is because every time someone new downloads the app, they get this notification to convert all their followers or the people they're already following over, right? So the longer you wait, the less chance you have to adopt these people that are already following you on Instagram to come move with you to threads. Do you see what I'm saying? So, okay. So let's say, pretend you've won me over. Is this the app? For those of you out there, it's like this white background, black. I've literally never looked at this. Does that look uh, right? Let me see. I made my screen too small. To oh, that's see. okay. So let me see. Let me see. Yeah. Show me, show me, show me. Show um, yes, this is the app. Okay. Because I'm also okay. notorious for downloading the wrong thing. <laughs> and then I've been paying for some. Yeah. So when I downloaded the app, it said, hey, do you want to follow everybody that you follow? Okay. And um, then, and then, and then just by doing nothing, a lot of the people that already followed me on Instagram started when they created their threads account, they followed me. So, you know, then I already have engagement. I'm already communicating with my audience. They're already responding to my posts and we're building our little Dr. Lee community on threads as well. So I think you should too, because everybody wants to hear from you. <laughs> okay. Um, so do it now. And yeah. I think I had a last point here about threads. Oh, the interesting thing is, right? It was like the fastest downloaded app ever. And it's like 130 million users. And then there's another update today that said that only half of the people that downloaded are actually using it and like that they have like a tremendous drop off. So, of course, a bunch of people downloaded it. A bunch of those people never plan on using it because they didn't like Twitter in the first place. They don't mm -hmm. like communicating like this. So, they downloaded it because of the novelty and because everyone was downloading it. Just like I've convinced you to download it right now, <laughs> you're going to download it and then you're going to probably never use it. And so, you will become a non-active user. And that's probably the majority of it. So they said that basically like only like 20% of the people that actually downloaded are actually using it actively. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I still think, you know, why not? Why not participate? See what happens. Maybe it takes off. Maybe it doesn't take off. Maybe you love it. Maybe you love it. Maybe. I know intuitively I won't, but that's okay. So I'm on Did it. Were you on AIM back in the day? AIM? Do you remember yeah, AIM? Yeah, but that was way back. So for those of you who are younger than 20 years old, AIM, a, uh, a Instant Messenger. What was the A? uh aol aol instant messenger yeah. so this was a place where it was safe to go online and talk to random strangers and tell them all about <laughs> your life because no one knew the otherwise yeah you'd yeah. like pop into the random people mm -hmm. and just like start talking to them um so yeah i had a name it was very interesting you just randomly talk to people i don't think the majority of people realized how potentially dangerous or weird that was it got weird fast though just like all things it yeah. got weird fast and then there was weird stories that happened on AIM. Um, you're talking about AIM specific, like AOL instant messaging rooms. That's now, just what you I could remember. Also, but you could also communicate just like with your friend. Like if I had your screen name, then I could message you back and forth from my username. And you could also set these statuses. So like when you were away from your computer, you could set an away message and with a quote or something. Hey, I'm gone. See you later. Sometimes uh -huh. you would drop like a rap quote or or mm. or if you were, you know, breaking up with your significant other at the time, you could post like a sad quote or something like this. So that's kind of th what Twitter became. And then Twitter, obviously now threads. So they're all very similar. So if you were a, if you were an Instagram or an AIM 
status updater i think you might enjoy threads Mm -hmm. okay all right so threads is in threads is in i'm in with one foot we'll see if i step in fully um one day i want someone to fill me in on what happened to myspace that was the most bizarre drop off i've ever seen overnight it died and never came back i've I, some there's got to be like a true conspiracy out there somewhere for that oh notifications for threads is on got to turn that off um yep yeah, so what's our next topic what are we talking about next so threads is in we're in check it out if you want to <laughs> all right so the next topic we're going to talk about is this age filter oh, so yeah the age filter has mm. taken the internet by storm what is the age filter? So on TikTok, there is a filter that you basically, you put your face like you would record a normal video and it, it basically shows you what you would look like in maybe 30 or 40 years. Um, or it just makes you look maybe like you're in your 60s or 70s, um, you know, depending on where you are. Because so, I've seen some people that are in their 60s or 70s and they use the age filter and then it doesn't look any different. Mm-hmm. than the filter so i don't know that it's actually like accelerating it but or trying to like show you what you would look like at like 70 or 80 or or whatever i mean they call it the age filter ultimately it gives you it age. gives you more wrinkles it gives you age essentially <laughs> and and people were shocked by this because it's a pretty accurate representation of what pretty much all of us will look like for example if i i, I haven't posted a video of me doing it but i've actually done the use the filter i've tried it basically like pushes your hairline back a little bit as a guy. So you you know have a receding hairline. It changes all your hair color to white. It gives you really exaggerated bags underneath the eyes. It gives you a lot of wrinkles around the eyes, a lot of wrinkles on the forehead. It moves your cheeks and everything downward. You get a little bit of like jowls um, underneath the chin. So it kind of gives you all the signs that you would see with aging, which looks pretty accurate, I think, to what will probably all look like one day. Um, why is this shocking to people and and how people have responded to this? What do you think about that, Dr. Maxfield? Yeah, so I think it's a pretty good filter. I will say none of the filters ever have anything on Snapchat. If you haven't checked out the aging filters on Snapchat, those are legit. Those look, mm-hmm. if, I put, if I throw my face into Snapchat, I look just like my opa. And it's incredible, my uh, Indonesian one. And are you on Snapchat, Dr. Maxfield? No, no, yes, no. I like... Uh, I just have it for my kids. They call, it, <laughs> they call it silly pictures. And so it's just like, if you have kids or animals, I know you all do this too. That's what Snapchat has become. It's the videos with kids and kids and animals app. Uh, but I was anyway, say, see, there's no way you're dogging threads when you're on <laughs> Snap. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to say anything on Snapchat, but whatever. The um, Anyway, so the aging filter, okay, it's fine. It's decent. Um, so when I was watching this, this uh, trend unfold, I just saw so much negativity about this. And I think when we talk about aging, we collectively, just you and I, I think we've always tried to balance it out with not only a sense of realism, but a sense of like grace and acceptance because people were just posting videos of themselves and they're like, ew, gross, oh, nasty. Like there's just so much about, I know, I know it's like shocking when you see yourself accelerated in that way, but I think collectively it's, it's hard not to view getting older with a very negative connotation and Mm. it's a tough balance because most of what we talk about is how do you stop or slow aging like but my thing with this is in the video i posted i was like i want this to be like an acceptance thing like yes i want to empower people and educate people on how they can slow this process down because because i believe 
and I've heard this from so many people, that there is just something like timeless and youthful that stays within us all. And so I think a person's desire to look young comes from a mismatch of the way they feel on the inside and what they see on the outside when they look in the mirror and they go to her. So I want to help people capture that. I completely mm. understand and validate where that comes from. However, there's absolutely something very beautiful and very um, soberingly beautiful about age. Like, I think you just see some people who have aged well, um, but it doesn't have to do necessarily with how they look. It has to do with how they carry it. And, it. and I just think there's something completely wonderful about that that I think we collectively need to accept and embrace. And, and that's like my, my high horse there. But anyway, I captured that in my video that I posted. <laughs> but it's hard to communicate because we kind of walk that line. Yeah, I, I think that you're 100% right that there was a lot of negativity, especially like really young creators where they're like, oh my God, like I'm not going to look like this and this is, this, this is awful. And, it's, and, and, and I mean, that's probably what your parents look like or that's probably what your grandparents look like. So, you know, is, do they look awful or, you know, because I, I think that, that you kind of pointed out something interesting um, is this mismatch between like what you look like or and who you are, right? And I always feel like I've never grown up. Like I, I feel like still not childish, but childlike yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of people who know me know me like that. Like I'm uh, like a prankster. I like to joke on, I, I like to joke a lot. I like to mess with people a lot and, and like for like, you know, and I, so, so I'm sort of childlike in a lot of ways. And so as I've gotten older, in age and appearance, it's probably not considered like appropriate a lot of times to act the way that I act, <laughs> you know? Um, but I feel like I'm still like that guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, every time now and then, like in life, something happens, right? Where, you know, maybe you have a bad business deal, a business go wrong or a, a friend who, you know, screws you over or a loved one that leaves you or something like that. And there's like a little bit of that childlike um, qualities that are like taken from you in that process, right? And I think that also like ages your character and personality in some ways, right? Because people who are childlike view the world differently than people who are more mature i suppose and it's not necessarily a bad thing it's not childish like i think there's a difference between the two it's childlike in the sense that there's like a naivety about it there's a there's like a hopefulness about it um and so i think that a lot of times you like you mentioned i've had like 80 90 year old patients who are very childlike actually and that childlike energy actually like translates to the way that they look they mm -hmm. may have the same amount of wrinkles and sun damage as someone of their similar age but there's a certain energy about them that makes them feel younger to me or they act younger and then when they say their age i'm always surprised or when i look at the chart and see their age i'm always surprised by that i had a patient like this last week and it's just <laughs> she's, she's like this little feisty italian lady <laughs> and it just um yeah i think there's something about that there of course too um beyond the way that it visually look but you know we always say in clinic that you know aging is a privilege that the alternative is death, right? Which is worse um, than aging. I think that all of us want to age in a way that we look healthy. And, you know, a lot of times when patients come in to see me, especially for cosmetic stuff, they always say, I just, I want to look better. I want to look youth, I'm more youthful. I want to erase some of the damage that's happened over time. 
but I don't want to look different. I don't want to, I don't want to look like these people that you see sometimes in magazines where they look overfilled or they look unnatural, or you can tell they have something done. So I think there's this desire to just like when you're exercising, you want your body to look healthy. People want their skin to look healthy. And as a result of that, I think there's some sort of anti-aging component to this, but I'm kind of more of that like healthy aging category where I'm like, okay, I still want to have a few wrinkles, um, but I want to do it in a healthy way. I don't want to get skin cancer, all those things. Um, but I do think some of the, the reactions in general to this age filter have given this negative connotation to aging, which I don't think is actually good. I think all of us are, if we're privileged enough to look like that, then we've lived many years with many memories and probably have uh, family and friends that we've had, had the ability to share these experiences with. Um, and maybe you get a wrinkle or two in the process, but that's, o- that's okay with me. But I, I get the need or the desire to have healthy aging. And I personally am involved in that process, right? Because I right. wear sunscreen and I was just came back from Miami and I was reapplying sunscreen every two hours and using my retinol at night. But I still like, I'm not against like getting a few gray hairs. You know, my dad actually said when I was home, like, <laughs> why don't you dye your hair? First of all, I'm allergic to hair dye. Um, so that's, that's reason number one. Um, but I kind of like it, you know, it's like, oh yeah. He's like, are you stressed? He's like, you should dye your hair. You're so young. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't care. Yeah. I think it's fair. Interestingly, um, I think my wife and MAs have both pointed out the fact this week that I've had a lot more white hairs in my beard. I seem to be skipping the gray, which is interesting. Mm. I just go like straight to white in the beard, which is kind of cool. I don't mind that. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's it. I think that's that's I think that's a vision we both kind of have shared and we've stated in small ways. But for whatever reason, the aging filter and the reaction to it just pushed me the wrong way. Um, but yeah, the, it, it, it is a privilege to get old. We're fortunate to be able to do so. We want to help empower, enable people to capture the youthfulness inside and help it mirror on the outside as much as possible. But there is a beauty to aging in life that we both try to embrace. Let me ask you a question. Mm. Um because I always have this in clinic where I'm trying to, and we've talked about this before in some videos, like our cherry angioma video. But when someone comes into you for a cosmetic assessment, how do you do these assessments? Because I always hate to assume that they don't like something that I see mm-hmm. and I can change. Right. And so I do this thing where I say, I give them a mirror. Or I take, I, we have like a professional video cam, uh, photo camera thing we take for cosmetics and I show them their face and I say, what don't you, what don't you like, or what do you want to change? Or tell me, point out the things that stand out to you and I'll tell you what we can do about them. Because I have this like fear of telling a patient that, Hey, um, we can do, you know, filler to lift your jowls or something. And then they're like, I don't care about that. And then now I've pointed out some type of thing that now they have to either be insecure about or I've pointed out something that they feel like is now an imperfection of some sort. So I, I've been very cautious about like actually pointing out flaws and instead having them point out what they think needs to be changed or want to change and I then make my recommendation around it. Yeah, I kind of do the same approach. So the way I start off my visits is I typically, I always let them tell me what um, is bothering them and Typically, they'll have some sort of person will have some sort of list and sometimes it's cosmetic, sometimes it's concerning. But if it's on an area or a spot that's in the middle, like I always gauge and I ask them straight up. um, So are you worried about this spot or does it bother you? 
Um, and this step is separate distinct because the worrying thing is like, are you worried this is a cancer spot? Do you just want reassurance? Or is this bothering you to the point that you want it removed or treated? And that that has helped me out a lot because I, I'm very similar in that. I, I really try to be aware of what a person's presenting to me because I'm the same way. I don't want to point out like, oh, hey, that looks bad because who knows? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's not a big deal. And maybe they don't care. And maybe they don't need to care. A lot so, of times they don't care, which is actually yeah. what I learned, right? Because there's a spot called the seborrheic keratosis. It's like a very thick growth on the skin for those of you who don't know. And it stands out to a lot of people, especially if they're on the face, like they're pretty prominent, right? Like people see them, kids will point out, point them out. Um, and I always think if I had one, like I would freeze it or get rid of it, especially if it's on the face. Um, so then I always ask patients like, hey, this is separate keratosis, totally benign, never going to turn into a skin cancer. However, if you wanted me to get rid of it, I could. And 90% um, of the time they say, just leave it alone. Yeah, so. they do. It's interesting. It is. And then it's sometimes the smallest things that you'd never catch your eye that a person is obsessed with. Like they, their eyes go to it. And I have, I could never tell you why. Because from an outsider perspective, and I might tell them this too, if it, depending on how the cosmetic outcome might be. I'm like, from an outsider perspective, this is invisible. I understand that it's important to you, but I want to know why. Um, but yeah, it is very interesting what catches people's eye and what people are fixated on. Maybe invisible to you because you wear those little Mr. Potato Head glasses. I lost those. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so sad. That's devastating. <laughs> I just wear okay. my boots now. So that's our opinion on aging. You know, I think, yeah. you know, we we kind of hold the same beliefs and it's sort of, you know, consistent across all the videos that we've put out. So the last one is from newbeauty.com and it is titled, What Derms Actually Think About All Those TikTok Skincare Trends? quote, it's like drinking from a fire hose. This is new beauty. And they're basically interviewed dermatologists and what they think about all the skincare trends, TikTok or otherwise, right? So pretty much all media. I mean, TikTok, you know, obviously is one of the more active platforms, but these are the same trends that are on Instagram. They're the same trends that you're going to see in podcasts, and YouTube, on traditional media. I mean, Allure is going to talk about these trends as well. So they're all pretty much the same. And a lot of times they're a lot of times referencing TikTok videos, I find. Yeah, so it's not unique to TikTok videos. Like almost every traditional media article is going to, you know, place a TikTok video within them um, and show, hey, this is what's happening on TikTok anyway. So pretty much like what do derms think about these trends? I mean, we are derms and we are part of these trends. <laughs> so <laughs> so there's one opinion right there. But basically, and, and this is true. I mean, basically what they're trying to say is that every pretty much most of the trends that we see on TikTok, whether it be slugging, skin flooding, which we've mentioned before, um, skin cycling, are all things that we have been doing forever that have now just been given names. And then on one side, you know, they're also arguing sort of within the article, different terms, not arguing amongst each other, but the quotes sometimes differ that it's harmful that these trends exist because there's not enough nuance in what, how to use these or who these are appropriate for. And then some people are saying that it's not appropriate because it's not somebody with credentials that are talking about these trends. And these were things like the retinoid sandwich was something that your derm would tell you to do. And now it's an influencer who's telling you to do it. So that's not great. Um, so what are your thoughts on all this? Well, that's been one of my biggest critiques. Uh, so the, the short messaging, I'll clarify that, has been one of my biggest critiques of TikTok from the beginning. And that's one of the reasons why YouTube has always been my favorite platform, remains my favorite platform, 
and lives are one of my favorite pieces of content to do because the depth of knowledge shows up in long form content. Anybody can say to sandwich a retinoid. Anyone can drop those five sandwich, a retin, I don't know how many, five, three words. <laughs> That's counting syllables. But anyone can do that. And so what you end up with is a ton of repetition on short form. But there is a ton of caveat and nuance. And that's where doctors live in their mind. And that's where we live in training. Everything we speak, everything we learn, everything we see, everything we do has an infinite amount of nuance, caveat, and personalization. And it's a, and that ends up looking the same to an observer or, an in, or just a, a person watching a TikTok video. That, that's, it all look, can look very similar to them. But that there is a lot more important information out there. And so that's one of the things I've always struggled with. I've actually done a new series on TikTok and it's done really well. For, and I was very surprised and very happy about it. I've split it into two things. I'll say, so you want to use niacinamide? Well, here's the good and the bad. Because I, oh, I always want to present two, two sides to it. Every ingredient, everything has two sides. And then the next video, I'll say, so here's how to use it. Because I want people to have enough knowledge. They say, oh, this ingredient has this. It does this. Good, the bad, it's problematic. So they have a little bit more information to how they can accurately use it. And then if they decide, oh, this is, this might be for me, then here's how to use it. But um, even then, you know, there's still a ton of information left out. So I agree with that sentiment, but I do think there's another side of it. And I think that dermatologists struggle to embrace TikTok. Um, and I think it's actually very important that we do, because if you don't, I think you're just going to get this like generational gap between you and your patients where you can't communicate effectively with them and you won't be able to relate to them in a meaningful way based off of what their real concerns are, what they're doing in their day-to-day -day life and also the information they consume. Yeah, I mean, I, I've personally learned so much from TikTok just from people tagging me in different things or asking me questions, things I didn't even think about were trending or things that they're experiencing in their lives that I haven't even, or even new skincare products that are coming out or new skin technologies or even studies people email us studies sometimes and so to discount you know where derms are getting their information from uh or where patients are getting their information from and also you know where patients are communicating amongst each other um i think is a mistake in some ways now does every derm need to be on tiktok i definitely i definitely don't think so I mean, I, I think that there's obviously derms that are better suited to be on TikTok. Um, certainly, I think that if you have a knack for it and you have a desire to do it, I, I speak at a lot of the derm conferences on how to do social media as a dermatologist in a way that's professional and educational. So I'm always encouraging people to do it. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it is for everybody. Um, but to say that, you know, there's no good information on TikTok, I think that that's certainly not true. I mean, there's tons of good information. There's tons of community sharing that occurs there. Uh, there's tons of ideas that are exchanged there. I do think there's a lot of repetition of trends without nuance that can be dangerous. I think the derms that are on TikTok a lot of times are debunking those or adding nuance to the trends and explaining like how these things work or who these things are appropriate for or why or why not to do something. So, you know, I think that we all try to do a good job about that. But even in my videos, there are things that are left out, certainly that could be there. They could add more context, but then would take away from the reach, right? Because, you know, mm -hmm. you can make great videos, but if nobody sees them, then you're also not doing a great service to people either, right? So if there's a video that's going viral and it's got a lot of misinformation and then you put out a video that gets eight views, then you've not combated that misinformation, right? So if you're going to make videos, you have to sometimes neglect nuance as long as there's no danger in that lack of nuance um, in favor of a short video that's, you know, packs a heavy punch 
to reach your intended audience, which is the consumers and patients that are on these platforms. So I've always been a big believer in that. Um, Dr. Elias, who they interviewed for this article, who I've met personally at various conferences, did say in this that he's learned personally from you know from TikTok, from watching other derms on TikTok. You know, he's like, oh, I didn't know this hack or this tip that another derm from across the country shared, and I've learned from that as well. So I think that there are you know obviously varying opinions amongst the derm community. When we first started doing this, Dr. Maxfield and I. Uh, Social media in general for derms um, was a little bit of a taboo topic in some ways. I think the community has come around quite a bit and has been very supportive. In fact, a lot of our professional organizations are now very active on social media and and, and use a lot of us, um, derms who are proficient at social media, to help amplify their message. And so I think it just it's new. Anything that's new, any change, even I, just like Dr. Maxfield is afraid of threads. <laughs> I think that the traditional Durham community just takes a little bit longer. But once they see that you can do it in a way that's good, honest, ethical, um, then I think they a lot of times come around to it. So, yeah, I think I think in general, you know, the Durham's have come around quite a bit. There's always going to be stragglers, um, but you can't win everyone over, I've learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's true. Um, but, yeah, I do think it is important. You do learn a lot. I've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. Um through social media, through the community, through the viewers. Like we, you do learn a lot from people. And so it's very valuable. I think the information has gotten much better on social media personally, since I've been on it. Um, you know, our traditional influencers who we always engage with you and I, we communicate with them, we message them, we DM them, we do collaborations with them. So these non-derm influencers, I think are putting out a lot of great information. Um, they read a lot, they consume a lot of other derm content. Um, of course, there's misinformation, you know, that comes out um, despite that. But I still think the quality of information from 2023 compared to like 2019, substantially different. I, I think from everybody, it's improved quite a bit. Yeah, then I couldn't agree more. And we see that mirrored in product production as well, which we've talked about. It's just a highly educated group of individuals, which actually translates to difficult patient encounters sometimes. Because you have a highly motivated, knowledgeable group of people who have already learned a lot. They have a lot of questions. And then that leads to time constraints in the office. And I hate that. I really do. I, I like. I feel like the more and more and the longer and the longer I, I'm working, the more I come to resent the efficiency model and the practice of medicine. So, but, uh, but I think it's, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like every conversation I go into now kind of leads into that because I feel like conversations are valuable. And mm-hmm. um, especially the more knowledgeable people become, the depth and the breadth of the conversations becomes deeper too. I have incredibly knowledgeable patients about their skin. And most of the time, first visit, they come in with a, I would say, at least an A minus skincare routine. Yeah. So so the knowledge out there is amazing with the products that are, people are using, the thoughtfulness of the products they're using, the way they're using them. I mean, I've been very, 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 very impressed. I mean, it might be like selection bias in some ways because I, I wouldn't say like, you know, half the page, half, maybe half the people already know who I like, know me from social media when they come in. Um, so they sought me out on social media. And then the other half are people who don't know me from social media. But even that half, right, the non the non sort of biased half, those people have, in my opinion, much better skincare routines than they did three years ago. So I think overall, the industry benefits from this. Um, and we could still always do better, ultimately. Yeah, no, I agree. 
All right. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Threads, Dr. Maxfield's on there. Make sure that you go follow him. He's going to be dropping threads uh, on a daily basis. <laughs> then uh, the age filter, don't fear it. Um, fear death. No, maybe don't fear death. I don't know. Um, and then lastly, I, I think social media trends obviously can get out of control, but I think they're much better than they used to be. So that's my summary. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure that you subscribe anywhere that you follow us and we'll see you in the next or hear you in the next or listen to us in the next podcast. All right. We appreciate y'all. Thank you. <laughs>